And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 196, a.k.a. season 3, episode 16, uh, coming at you this Saturday. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with the returning MC. And since it's the call-in number, and nobody likes to call, uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so I told everyone you went on a surprise vacation uh, last week, MC. So w- what have we missed and what have you been up to? Um, well, I got to see where uh, all the ex-presidents uh, hang out, or well, I don't know, all the presidents at the time were hanging out at this place called Annenberg's house. Um, so it's just some rich person with uh, fine tastes and art and expensive stuff and expensive buildings and a, and, and a golf course in the middle of the desert. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, at least from what I, what I gather, the Annenbergs were uh, pro peace. And so okay. they, they would try to get the world leaders together to uh, come together and uh, uh, do something other than war. So, um, so, so they it's did like an uh, exclusive high-end country club, I guess, yeah, is what I'm yeah. picturing in my head. Yeah, basically. And, uh, and of course, uh, powerful people are impressed by other powerful people. And, uh, and you know, so they they have all the expensive stuff and all the photos and uh, signatures from all the important people. And, and I guess that loosens them up so they can make progress i guess so but you know at least at least uh we're still here um world war three hasn't happened yet so um trying to be thankful for something at least <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not i'm not impressed by all the you know the people and, and that that went into that building and, and everything i'm just i'm just uh you know uh thankful. the idea <laughs> the concept yeah okay does the does the proprietors of that facility take credit for any um, negotiations or peace talks or deals that have occurred throughout history? Like this, you know, they brought no. two people together and what what yeah, what they try to do is bring them together, um, and then whatever happens happens. But they they don't tell them uh, what to talk about or you know what to accomplish. Yeah, um, but it just gives them a you know a place where they can they can do where they can talk yeah uh, and so kind of secluded area in, in the in the u.s um but you can put putin and trump in the same room in there and then when they yeah. come to some sort of trade deal say like we facilitated this negotiation sure sure yeah um but the the annenbergs are the people the, the couple that started it they're they're passed away and they have a trust and so the the building still serves the same function and they have people uh, uh still uh operating the the whole the whole idea you know of you know world peace and all that stuff sure. so anyway um that's pretty much all that happened on my vacation and nice. hanging out with friends and family uh not my family but <laughs> <laughs> my friend's family so it was a good time yeah. nice well i'm glad you enjoyed it was a like I said a, a bit of a surprise for me, yeah. and I've uh, the the unfortunate thing is uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to attribute this to the move per se. Um, however, I have operated 
in you know uh, a state of general um, unharmed and unharassedness, if that's like for lack of a better term. Like there's there's nothing, and and it could be my schedule and it just you know the people that I hang out with, uh, but I just I haven't been bothered by anything. I haven't been bothered by anybody. There's nothing that jumps out going like this needs to be remedied like post <laughs> you know type of a thing um you know i i got back on i got back on track i told you this uh in the, in the pre-show but i have you know made my uh like five bucks of agris money the other night by buying my underage compatriot at work some alcohol for his consumption uh, and i you know charge a commission for that sort of service because you know as long as the state's going to criminalize certain behavior I, you know, the underground makes some money. And so that's where, I mean, it's only five bucks, but it's a fun five bucks. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. make making money by sticking it to the man type of a thing. Um, and then the irony amongst ironies is, a uh, an ongoing discussion on Facebook that I had hoped I would never have to have, especially here. And that, and that is. Well, how will the roads be paid for absent the state? I go, well, there's an infinite number of ways. Like, let's, you know. And then the one guy chimed in, and I, I didn't realize that other people consider him to be a troll. And he, he accused me of, like, trollish behavior. Par- partially because my Facebook profile still doesn't say, like, New Hampshire. So he's like, you're not even from here. And this was, like, a local group. Like, someone put me in the group because <laughs> I'm, I'm here. And, and he was—he wasn't buying. He was insistent that roads must be paid and will always be paid uh, by tolls, right? Because that <laughs> is how it has okay. done in the past. <laughs> and and, and uh, I suggested, you know, just I just you know I, I I stayed out of discussion for a long time, and then I just threw it out there. I'm like, well, as long as we're talking about it, you know, one of the things that you have to factor in when who's going to pay for the you know roads in the future is that absent the state you know, the, the demand side of things has to be taken into consideration. Like there's going to be, there's going to be customers who are going to be paying for those roads. Right. And what I don't believe, and this is kind of like, um, Jesse Ventura's excuse for, you know, wanting a state, right. Is that, um, in a, in a libertarian, in a free market libertarian society, there's going to be a toll every hundred yards, you know, or every hundred feet. Because everyone who like has to maintain the road wants their cut, and so they'll you know they'll put up a toll, and you, you can't get through this area because this guy has a toll, and then that guy will put up a toll, and all this nonsense. And and from that from Jesse Ventura's argument, I go, well, you're not even considering like the demand side, right? Customers don't want tolls necessarily, right? Like I don't I don't envision a world where everyone's going like, oh yeah, put up a toll. We love those things. We love you know flying down the highway at 75 and then having to come to a fucking utter stop to drop 50 cents into a bucket before we can continue on our way, right? Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> there the doesn't seem to be a lot of demand for that service uh, in my mind, in my opinion. So I merely suggested that more creative measures uh, of paying for roads um, will be factored in, right? Um, and, and I suggested that much like other overhead and much like other costs of goods sold and fixed uh, fixed costs associated with running a business, um, those types of costs like road maintenance and road management will be worked in and factored into the price of goods sold. And then just like all the other fixed costs, uh, the customer would be paying for it, but wouldn't even realize it and wouldn't even, you know, it's like a hidden cost to them because it's, it's not something that they, they care too much about when looking at the price of bread or milk on the shelf. 
Mm-hmm. And then he chimed back in, no, no, no. Historically, it was done with tolls and therefore shall continue with tolls infinity into the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so I bowed out, right? I went, all right, fucking, you know, uh, you, sir, have my vote for, for libertarian central planners since you've got the whole road situation fucking figured out already. <laughs> um, and then the discussion, you know, derided from there, um, you know, and, and again, him accusing me of not being, not being, not even living here. Like how, who am I, where is my place to say? And the, the misunderstanding, and you'll understand this now as well, MC, the misunderstanding was just the lack of creativity and creative thinking. Like what we know is that there's an infinite number of ways to pay for the roads. And since we are not the anarchist or libertarian or, you know, freedom-minded central planners, we are not going to decide how that's going to be, right? I never even claimed that my way was the right way or going to be the way. Just another possibility out there amongst the infinite number of possibilities that could be done. Um, And I suggested that this guy just lacks imagination and creativity for thinking that because it is done one way throughout history, that that's the only possible, logical, reasonable, rational explanation on how to fund roads into the future. Um, and maybe maybe I'm trollless because I'm still sitting here chuckling to myself a little bit as to why someone who would consider themselves to be liberty-minded or freedom-oriented, I don't know if he'd, I don't, I don't think he would uh, fall into the anarchist category, but why someone who was going down that path and that line of thinking would be so dense um, as to think that there's only one way to do things. So that was that was my frustration um, for the week, I guess, for the last couple of days in in arguing with other liberty people at this point, not even status who like who will build the roads, uh, but liberty minded individuals uh, with, with the lack of imagination to think that roads couldn't be funded any other way. Uh, than be- besides like tolls and how they're set up now. Your <laughs> thoughts, MC? Um, yeah, that's 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 what uh that's what we do, right? We argue, and uh, you're, so you're gonna get in arguments with uh, libertarians. I, I don't. <laughs> I hope it wasn't too serious. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, I don't know. I've never met the guy. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know who you are. Nobody else here has heard of you. I'm like, so I popped up a picture of me at one of the meetup groups. And he's like, that picture's too dark. I can't see anybody in that either. <laughs> but like, yeah. the, you know, s- similar with uh, seminar people, as I'll call it, you know, from previous discussions. Sure. Right? The, the, I, I personally hold um, those groups of people, right? The seminar people and liberty minded people to like, a higher, a higher standard of discourse, right? And we can discuss how the roads will be funded, right? Let's have that discussion because that's a solutions-oriented discussion, right? Well, it, it, and it may be theoretical, and, you know, it, it, well, it's almost definitely theoretical because the roads are already built, right? Like, just who will, who will fund the maintenance of the roads that are already built uh, type of a thing? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I, I'd love to have those discussions, right? Solutions. Like, here's, here's a problem that we're going to face absent the state. And how do we solve it? Um, and then, you know, then, and, and you can brainstorm. You can, like, banter back and forth. You can feed off of each other, you know. Um, but to, to outright declare that this is the only way that it shall be, right, kind of ends the discussion. Because anytime someone else, you know, poses an, an, another way to do it, 
right? Billboards. Why not billboards, right? You put up a billboard, you get advertisers. It's advertising on the road. No, no, no. Historically, there have been tolls. So, therefore, in the future, there will only be tolls, right? And it seems, you know, in my mind, that is a, a lower level of discourse um, that you that would be fine if he was, like, a Republican or Democrat or any, any other sort of, like, status type of guy. Uh, but I, but to, to be, to, from my perspective, again, to be held to a higher level of discourse, discourse when we're talking about solutions, um, you know, solutions to otherwise complex problems, you know, if you will, um, I just, I just have higher standards and I, and I hold people to a higher level, um, much like seminar people, right? When you know that, when you know there's an infinite number of possibilities, um, and you get hung up on the one right way to do it, um, that's a little frustrating. Like it, it happens at work too, right? Like, you know, ev- everyone wants to show me like the right way to do things in the kitchen, right? Hold on. Let, let me show you a better way. Let me show you the right way. Um, and I let it go because I don't hold those people to the higher standard that I, that I hold my other groups of people to. So I don't say anything. But in my mind, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, the correct answer, right? If, if you want to show me something, right? The correct answer is let me show you another way or let me show you a different way. Or let me show you my way, right? Because your way is not inherently better, the best, or right, necessarily. Um, but again, lower lower standard for those people because you know they're just they're they haven't they haven't put the thought into other things um, like the other groups of people that I that I hang out with, and so I don't care. I let it go. I don't argue with them. I just go, okay, thank you for that. You know, thank you for the feedback, sir. Um, I will cut onions the way you showed me to cut onions now. Right. I, I will uh, fucking stretch this pizza dough the way you showed me to stretch this pizza dough now. Uh, as if there was as if, the, as if the other ways to do it were invalid um, all of a sudden. The other uh, effective. Right. May not may not have been efficient, but effective. You know, there, there's a guy who works kind of slow and he takes his time and he like stretches the dough slowly and he sauces it like even as even as possible can be. But the food doesn't go out as quickly. Right. But you don't go, you don't, you know, tell them like, here's the right way to do it, bro. You know, here's a faster way. Here's a different way. You know, here's, here's another way of doing it that you may consider so you can get your job done quickly, more efficiently and better. Um, but less invalidating when you tell someone that they're, they're doing it the wrong way, unless the wrong way is dangerous. Right. You know, if you, you know, if, if, if um, we had a girl at the old restaurant that I was working at, um, uh, who was afraid to hold the knife and was afraid to cut anything. So she only lasted like a shift. Um, but the way she held the knife, she had like her index finger underneath the blade of the knife and our chef freaked out, right? Like, don't <laughs> put your fucking finger there. You're going to, you're going to injure yourself. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm totally okay with going like, that's the wrong way to do things. Cause that's dangerous. It's harmful. And you, you know, you put other people in danger by doing it. <laughs> but if you're, if your way works and is effective and someone thinks they have a better way, like when I used to train people, I used to say like, here's the way I do it. Learn how I do it. Cause this, this is the best way that I found to do it so far. Now, after you've done it my way and you think to yourself, like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Well, then when you figure that out, you teach me your new way. Right. So now I have the best way to do it as well. Right. But it was never, I, I was never like, this is the right way. This is my way. This is the only way to do it. You know, it's like, this is the way that I'm doing it. Um, and learn that way for now because it's the best that I can think of. And then, like I said, when you find a better one, then teach everybody. So we all so we all improve together, uh, and I always find that to be more effective. Um, 
but dealing, you know, dealing with a, uh, what I'm going to call now an internet troll only because he posted something in another group a while back. Uh, and then, you know, he wouldn't allow comments. So I, I, um, screenshotted his comment and reposted it so other people could chime in. Cause I was generally curious, like, what is he talking about? And why, you know, why would, why isn't that, why is he not allowing discussion for it? And so the discussion that was had under that was basically like, don't pay attention to him. He's a troll. He doesn't like certain people. This is his get back kind of a thing. And, you know, he's, he's nobody you need to concern yourself with. I'm like, all right, cool. And then I didn't, you know, until this morning when I was like, you know, thinking about it, I didn't even put like two and two together. Like this was the same dude that was trolling before. And that, you know, he may just very well be a troll now as well. Or he may be that arrogant and conceited to think that the only way to pay for roads, right, is his way, which is the old-fashioned way, you know, type of a thing. I'm done. Good. Um, There was something I I mentioned a couple weeks ago about uh, languages of politics. Yes. Um. I have it here. Do you want me to post it in the group? Uh, you can, but we can I we can just discuss it right now if you want to. Because I've I I read it, um, I read it. I didn't understand it. Then I heard your brief perspective on it, and so I read it again. But it's also been a couple weeks, so it's not fresh in my yeah. mind. Yeah, and actually, I I didn't even <clears throat> really read the whole thing, um, but I thought it was an interesting concept, um, and trying to figure out how other people see the world right okay um so anyway in the in the thing it says there are basically three tribes now everybody that i've asked about this says well obviously there's more than three um but right for trying to understand where other people might fit in this um uh, it, it it might be useful to to think about them this way, sure. And and so that if you if you can basically place everybody in one of these three groups, then you can figure out how you should talk to them or respond to them um, to maybe get something accomplished. Now I understand your point of view is is that well you're not trying to convince them anything. Uh, it's not worth your time, and <laughs> yeah, they can, not anymore. You know, they can I, get I bent. Right. But anyway, I, I thought it was a, a neat concept. And so anyway, there's the three tribes are progressive, which is the victims versus uh, oppressors mentality, yep. and then conservative, which they're mainly concerned with civilization versus barbarism and libertarian which they're concerned with liberty versus coercion um so the thing with me is i kind of i i do agree with the libertarian um uh mindset um and and how they view the world um but but i'm not a progressive or a conservative and so from my point of view i can put people in those categories but that doesn't necessarily that that means that's how they see the world right I mean, I can I can tell somebody this is how you see the world, but that's not how they see the, themselves seeing the world, right? Right. <laughs> so, so it's only useful for me, and it might this whole thing, this whole you know, uh, thought experiment might only be useful for libertarians, and it might have been been written by a libertarian. I'm pretty um, sure it was. <laughs> <clears throat> so, or at least someone passing himself off as. Uh 
like I, I'm looking at the post right now, and he's you know he, he runs a libertarian-ish group or an anarchist philosophy group. So unless, sure. and this looks like original material. So unless he's plagiarizing, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's uh, libertarian slash anarchist. Right. Um. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help for other people to read it. It, it might only be helpful for me. Um, but I was talking with somebody who works uh, in government and uh, uh, heathens, but you know believes in the whole process, and and so I was talking to her, and uh, what I was saying, well, she she considers herself a moderate Democrat, and and what I would say is that she's you know I don't I don't even know what moderate democrat means but she'd have to explain it to me but um but what what, what i told her was I, like that mean anymore i, I so she she read this and, and she said the same thing is that well there's more than three tribes and then and she started telling me about more of her politics and i said well but you're still mostly concerned with the the mechanism and so i would i would say that she's uh, conservative so conservative, conservative Democrat, uh, sure. because she's she's most concerned with having civilization versus barbarism based on on just on these three choices: a progressive, conservative, or libertarian. Um, because she doesn't seem all that concerned with victims versus oppressors or liberty versus coercion. Um, and but she she mentioned you know quite a few times about. Uh, you know the the need to have the government to create balance, um, and that's more of the idea that that you know that <laughs> if we don't have uh, uh, some controlling organization, that that there won't be civilization anymore. It'll be barbarism. And, for, and from my point of view, it's like I don't really care if there's civilization or barbarism. Just give me liberty, you know, and whatever happens, happens. I mean, it, it might actually be worse without a government. I, I'm very uh, honest about that. Um, yeah, it's but, definitely a possibility. Um, but we will have the, you know, the freedom to purchase our own uh, security, right? And and in the end, probably most people will. Um, be Almost guaranteed. Type. Yeah, and so... It's just the the method that it that it happens is, is coercion or, or liberty. Um, so so I can I can put her in that that conservative uh, group based based on this. But obviously she's you know would would uh, you know fight fight the whole thing you know kicking and screaming. No, I'm not a conservative. You know even though you know, I mean I'm just saying based on on this chart it yes. doesn't <laughs> the model the yeah, the, no, mo the within the model yeah. that we're dealing with. So it's so it's very frustrating to people that aren't libertarians because then they don't want the, those labels on them. Um, so the article also talks about um, what is it uh, the virtue sig signaling, and that's and that's what uh, people do. You know, even you know libertarians also. You know, everybody uh, is trying to be. <laughs> the true libertarian or whatever, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, but Democrats don't really stand for anything. So, um, so yeah. I, so I, I think this model works better than the, 
then the 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 political divide like the left right uh okay. paradigm paradigm or whatever um and and so so i just talked about a a conservative uh, the the other one was uh, victims versus oppressors, and I talk to those people all the time on the the anarchy groups, and and that's just how they see things. Like, well, if it you know wasn't for all these oppressors, then everything would be great, you know. And uh, and they want to convince everybody that they're a victim, and if you're not a victim, then you're automatically an oppressor. Um, the man it's, is holding us back. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just it's so annoying talking to them, but that's, you know, that's their political language like 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 this article says. Um so they um I don't know if they they could see outside of their lens. Um so and that's kind of why I wanted other people to read this article because I want them to be able to look at it through my lens, right? Like, okay. Like like, don't you get it? But so far, everybody that has read it that's not a libertarian has looked at it and they're too busy trying to fight against putting themselves in one of the one of the uh, uh, tribes sure. um, or political languages. Um, so, so that was that. That's interesting to me, and so. Um, I guess what what I'm saying is I'd I'd have to talk a lot more to to people to try to get them to uh, see if this is valid at all, um, and, and it might not be. I I just think I just thought it was like really interesting to me um, that that at least okay okay uh, I guess it's, it shouldn't be that surprising. <laughs> Another libertarian kind of thinks like I do, right? <laughs> right. And he's just he's able try. to put it. And he puts it into into words that I can understand. Yeah, well, I can understand his political language, obviously. <laughs> and so I guess I'd have to. I guess somebody else would have to write uh, a different one, um, and and see if it makes any sense. But to me, it makes sense because I, I talk to people with the victim oppressor mentality. I talk to people uh, about the civilization versus barbarism. Um, yep. I think even uh, you know, uh, curmudgeon is is. Uh, conservative, right? Right. Um, he's he's argued for, for gover government uh, on on this uh, this channel before. Um, <clears throat> and yes. he's he's yeah. not like a hundred percent Trump Republican conservative though. Sure. Like sure. he he has uh, he has libertarian sympathies, right? But but has not moved all the way over yet. Right. Right. Basically, like he could definitely be convinced um, if he dropped but, his fear. Of what would happen in the absence of this well that, but that's the whole thing and so what what brings that fear is he's afraid of going to barbarism and where we are not you know yes. <laughs> um and then yeah so it's just it it, it kind of does follow that um and and i guess there there are people who who don't i guess they're more middle of the road and they're not really concerned with any of them um, and so those are the, you know, non-political types and, uh, um, and, and I guess those are the, probably the ones I, I least enjoy talking to because there's nothing to talk about, right? <laughs> Cause they don't have an opinion about anything. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. uh, you know, whatever football. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then, the uh, NPCs of the world since that's yeah. a term now. Well, 
maybe. Um, the NPCs are usually, it's a designation for someone who repeats what they see on TV, right? Or the, the same the same talking points. So they don't come up with any thoughts of their own, but... Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, me being in my little tribe and my and not little tribe i guess but uh in my tribe and in my bubble um you know i i, re I repeat a lot of the things that i surround myself with but i, I think i'm I think i'm at least surrounding me myself surrounding myself with with good stuff so <laughs> yes hopefully so how do i want to how do i want to comment on this this uh methodology this model of you know good versus bad in tribes um if if we grant that it's uh written by a libertarian for a libertarian that may be as much as uh as you need to know right it um i'm gonna so i'm gonna compare it real quick to the behavior matrix that as a listener you may not be familiar with mc you know what i'm talking about um i was introduced to that concept prior to taking the seminar um, by a guy who took the seminar. He was our sales trainer to do door-to-door -door sales. Um, and he had sales experience. He was a former Jehovah's Witness. So he had door-to-door -door experience. And while we're sitting in a classroom, you know, getting product training and sales training um, before we are unleashed into the field, he draws up the behavior matrix for us and tells us, the sooner you figure out which box the customer sits in, the quicker you're going to close sales. And for the most part, uh, by example, he was right. Because I was, at one point in time, second in sales only to him. Like, he had his number of sales, and I was behind him, and then everyone else was, like, way down the line. He, he had doubled up on me. So if I had five sales for the week, he had 10, and everyone else had like zero or one or maybe two. Like he was that good at what he did. And I will credit his success, number one, on his experience, right, door-to-door -door sales and sales experience, of which a lot of us lacked. But I think a lot of that success also came from what he taught us in the sales training, which was you have you have to be quick to identify where this person is in that model so that you can tailor your sales pitch to people of that kind. And so when we have this model, this victim versus oppressor, civilization versus barbarism, consent versus aggression model in front of us, it's not to go out into the world per se and show a progressive, hey, look, you know, you view the world as victim versus oppressor. And it's not to go out to a conservative and say, you know, you really view the world as civilization versus barbarism. It's, it's so you have an understanding of how they think. And then it is, you know, much, much like a sales pitch. It is not your job or responsibility to get them to think like you. Um, it's about how you communicate the messages of liberty and anarchy um, in such a way that a progressive, right, who thinks victim versus oppressor will understand um, the fight against statism 
um, in the in, in their mind as victim versus oppressor, right? And and you know, and I think it's it's very clear that if you can if you can tailor the discussion for progressive, where the state is the oppressor and the citizenry is the victims, right? They are more likely to get behind you and your ideas um, than if you just said no no no, it's coercion versus liberty, right? We need to be free from coercion. It's like no, we need to be free from the oppressors. And it's and who is oppressing us, right? And then if you're talking to a conservative, civilization versus barbarism, right? If you can tailor the message, right, the, the message of liberty, of one that where you know the barbers are the state, and you know imagine how much more civiliz- civilized things could be without that threat of force and that you know and and you know that barbarism uh, that the state brings down, right? Then you may be more likely to tailor the message. So I think I think. In that context, the model is useful for liberty-minded individuals, libertarians, anarchists, voluntarists, whatever, in, in talking to other people in such a way that they're more likely to convert um, their, their thinking and maybe even their voting, if that's your thing, right, without necessarily having to leave their tribe. Um, and I think that could be useful. So, it's, uh, so again, it's not, it's not for you to, sh- to show a conservative and go like, Look, you see the world as civilization versus barbarism. That's your problem. What you need to do is look at it liberty versus coercion. Then you'll be on. Then you'll be in the right tribe. Um, you know, and I, I don't think I, I don't think that that would be the useful way of going about. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't I don't think anybody can is necessarily going to change tribes, but I I don't know if there's any good uh, to come out of the tribes being able to communicate better to each other. Um, you know, what, what good does uh, a conservative do if, if a conservative is able to uh, communicate better with a libertarian? You know, they're still going to be at odds and, and fighting each other, but they might be able to <laughs> communicate better. <laughs> no, you know, so I don't, I don't know if that's, if it's worth anything at all, really. Okay. Well, I would say that in a debate or a discussion or an argument, a lot of times it gets prolonged and gets nowhere. Oh, is, sure. Is yeah. well, is because um, there's there's no there's no first principle to start with, right? Well, but, but both, that's kind of it, though. Is that the the principles we are are different, and so like uh, a, a status has a completely different uh, principle that he's operating on. Which has nothing to do with uh, freedom. Maybe, and and again, to 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 start the debate, there has to be some common ground, some common understanding, right? That's the that's that's where mm. libertarians will say, well, well, that's axiomatic, right? And the progressives and liberals and and conservatives will say, well, no, it's not. We disagree, mm-hmm. and a lot of libertarians uh, dismiss it at that point. Um, and then, but the 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 real thing to do is go back even further than that. So I've had um, it with prior jobs. Um, I've had discussions with um, like a hardcore progressive, you know, left liberal female, older older female as well. And one, you know, we, we would we would have debates and banter back and forth. And one of the things she finally, you know, said to me in our last one was. I may not agree with you, but you make a lot more sense than the Republicans and the people on the right, <laughs> and, and which is fine. However, right. 
in order to have those discussions with her, there have to be common ground, right? And, and, and which is why I personally focus a lot of my discussions on mechanism of the how things get done. Because when you're, when you're talking to, you know, liberals or lefties and, you know, they, they, they want, they want to care for the land. They want people oh, yeah. to be equal, right? Well, it's, that's, that's, that's why California is in such a, a bad position. And I, I just talked to somebody uh, from, from California recently and, and, you know, she's trying to explain uh, what, what it means to be a, a Democrat. <clears throat> um, and, and it, but what I told her was, well, what they tend to do is give more power to the state to do those things. So asking the state to do it, and that's why it keeps getting worse. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> but the common, the, but the common ground is we all want to care for the environment. Can we at least start? Can we at least start with the premise that caring for the environment is a good thing, right? And if they go, yes, we can start at that premise, right? Then, from the liberty, from the anarchist uh, perspective, the libertarian-oriented perspective. You build your argument, you build your case for a libertarian anarchist society from the point of view that we Mm -hmm. need to care for the environment. And these, in our opinion, are the better ways to care for the environment. These, um, for lack of a better term, policies, right, would better serve the environment than than some of the policies that you are currently advocating for from your current position. But, so you were you were advocating a, a position that is in direct conflict with your stated goal, and if we agree that the stated goal is care for the environment, how about we look at some other ways to care for the environment that don't involve harm and damage and you know all that other stuff that goes along. With sure, that. but what what happens is because the uh, the the uh, victim oppressor type um, isn't concerned with civilization versus barbarism that that when when somebody says oh well you should you should vote on this and that then that th- it doesn't matter if you won the argument or something it's just like they're, they're so not worried uh about the consequences of uh of uh of the government that they that they just go along with that just because it's because it's there and like <laughs> yeah it's so well it, that's why the argument doesn't end there the argument has to get as far as you know the 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 government in itself is in direct conflict with your stated goal. You you cannot have care. You cannot have worldwide care for the earth and the planet and humanity, and still have a government in place pretending to run things. I mean, we understand that. We but, do. But even if you won that argument with with a, a liberal, um, it's they're still not going to not vote. They're still not going to. Uh, uh, you know, stop participating in in that uh, you know destructive way, <laughs> right? Which is which is also probably true, right? But it's, but the seed has been planted, right? And much like my coworker who over you know over the course of years finally came to terms with Rich, you, you really make sense. Like we, you know, we've had dozens of these discussions over the years, and I'm you know I'm unbending and uncompromising in all of them. Um, so I never once gave her any credit for being right about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she finally had the cons. Now, will she vote differently? Probably not. Will she think differently? Possibly. But the 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 seed has been planted in her mind, at least, 
that there are other ways that there are other alternatives to do the things that she does. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe one day, cause she's, she's older, maybe one day she'll, you know, so she'll see the right, the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Which is, which is again with, with seminar people, um, I focus so heavily on mechanism that no matter what their goal is, right. Well, no matter what they say they want, um, that I focus on the mechanism on how to do it so that, you know, they, they have a liberty minded an anarchist perspective on things and whether or not they choose to, you know, really live the, the life, um, of personal responsibility and, you know, uh, world peace, one mind at a time, if they really want to live that, um, then they either eventually come around to my way of thinking, um, or they continue to to operate in a state of cognitive dissonance where, you know, they wonder they wonder why things aren't going the way they want them to, um, and yet continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. The definition of insanity. <laughs> People are insane to keep voting for that nonsense. Like where were we? We were at uh, we were at dinner the other night. Me and um, and this uh, couple that we've been hanging out with. Um, cause one of them helped us move in and he's, he's a cool guy. So we've been hanging out with them and we're sitting at dinner and, um, uh, one of the other gentlemen, uh, is getting a new job in like the healthcare field. And M has previously worked in the healthcare field. So she was like, they had a very interesting discussion going on, um, about the, the, the industry in general, um, healthcare in general, and, you know, the, the oddities of, of, um, the doctor's offices versus the insurance company. And M said something to the effect of like, I just don't understand why it's the way it is. Or like, how do we fix it? Like some, it's just some things we'll never know. And I, I, you know, huh? I can tell you exactly why things are the way they are. And I can tell you exactly how to fix it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's, you know, and for her, it's weird. Right. Because we're we're sitting at a table with um, two other movers like, you know, me being a signer um, M signing on board and, you know, coming late to the party, but mostly doing it for me and two other liberty minded individuals. Right. And and to say, like, how did how did this even happen? Like the world may know, like it's not like getting to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop, man. Like, you know, the world does know the answer to this. Um I'm like, do you want to know or do you want to like continue discussion pretending like you don't know what's going on? Um, she goes, well, what's the answer? I go, state interference in the market. Like, you know, and then uh, one of the other gentlemen chimed up. Well, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, em- employment is the reason why the insurance has gotten kind of crazy because employers cover health insurance now. Like that's kind of a stated. And you know, I chimed in again because like, he knows better. Right. And you're like, that's because state interference in the in in the employment market like the the problem is clear the solution is simple uh maybe complex to implement um but the 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 reason there's a dis the there's a disconnect between health service and health insurance is because state interference in the market right you don't know how much things cost because the insurance covers everything and why do we all have insurance paid for by our employers well because the state involved itself a long time ago um with pay right they said like you know you you get taxed at a certain pay rate the more you make and so rather than offering more money to to uh to keep employees they started offering benefits like medical 
and then the state mandated you know medical insurance uh, to be paid by employers and then it just spirals out from there so you 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 really want the solution there it is you eliminate the interference of the state in the marketplace and over time right these things will sort themselves out to the point where it's it's going to be a weird uh, next few days because I don't know how I necessarily feel about this uh, I'll, I'll just you know I'll bring it up briefly and see if you want to talk about it we can um, but apparently I just read this uh, earlier and it wasn't worthy of posting a whole article um, but hospitals are going to have to start posting their prices for services online starting January 1st did you hear mm, cool this? I did right cool sounds like a good idea but then I have I personally have to take a step back and go is this a state mandated thing like with you know it's a great thing it's you know it's a good thing to have and it, it would likely exist outside of state interference um, right well the, but, it's like the the state going for full circle well almost full circle but um, <laughs> yeah so the, you know is is the state going to mandate a competitive market in the future <laughs> probably not <laughs> but but that's what i'm saying like at, at some point like it's it's gotten so bad that they, they can't even they can't even regulate because there's no there's no price mechanism anymore right yeah there's not and so, so what are what are those prices online even going to mean well probably not much um yeah it's it's, it's going to be bizarre but uh yeah we'll, we'll see what happens after it happens but um yeah, it's it's just it's just silly. I mean, the whole <laughs> medical industry in the U.S. is just it's it's so broken. Yeah, and again, uh, it's it's a mystery how that occurred, and no, it's not it's not a mystery. And you know, and so again, I'm I'm a little torn at the announcement because I go like, okay, so the state is mandating prices be put online. That seems like a good thing, but the state is mandating it. So I want I like my natural inclination is to be against it. Um, I haven't figured out in my own head like what the implications of that could be. So I'm waiting for you know smarter people than me to like publish something. Um, yeah. You know, not again, not telling me what to think, but just you know, kind of guiding me in the right direction, I guess, like a mentor. Um, and then I got to thinking, like, as expensive as emergency healthcare is, right? And let's, let's suppose they post the things online. Excuse me. What I under what I know from um, you know my trip to the hospital was the the price was kind of irrelevant, right? Like um, my leg was busted, they were going to fix it, and there it, you know we, we there was no negotiation. Like what I wasn't even if they said it's like it's going to cost you like a million and five dollars, right? It's not like <laughs> I was going to say like okay no just leave my leg broken, right? <laughs> like you know you need triple bypass it's going to be five quadrillion dollars okay just give me the triple bypass then so yeah and so in my mind like emergency services could be a lot more expensive than they currently are um because who's who's gonna who's gonna negotiate you know in, in the middle of a crisis number one and then who's gonna who's going to deny the the terms laid forth by the hospital um for the services that you you know you're going to need to live right like the option is you know go into a huge amount of debt or die um and at the time my plan was just like go into debt and then not pay the debt right like i just i was going to let it go um you know shit happens there's no way i'm going to be able to make these payments i'm not you know i i guess theoretically in an 
ANCAP society, which I'm, I'm, I'll advocate for. Um, I would be like indebted to the hospital for life. Um, I think from their perspective, the reason price would matter is because they have to weigh the likelihood of default um, versus the patient's ability to pay back the, the cost, right? If, if everyone agrees to pay like a million dollars per minute for surgery because they need it, but they don't recoup any of that money, right? Would they have been better off setting a fair price that they know people could afford and pay back and they would, they would recoup more of that cost. Right. So I kind of, I kind of go in that direction. Well, I I don't think the posting of the prices has anything to do with making a a fair price. Um, I, I, I think it's because it's, it's kind of like a, like a knee jerk reaction because like the, the system is, is so far broken and, uh, unmanageable well it's it's like the you know price mechanism really matters right and so it should they're 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 finding out now that without uh without prices that you can't you can't manage it now even if they put a price on it it doesn't mean they're going to manage it any better right yeah (laughs) and that's why i said we'll, we'll see what happens what comes of it but it's it's to, to me, it's just a, a silly reaction to something that, that, to the system, the stupid system that they created. Yeah. I think I once, I once went in for a physical a long time ago, um, like probably the mid aughts is when I went in, probably when I had like my last real physical physical where I said, test everything. I want to, I want to find out point A. Um, and they, they did, they did like a blood test for something and it came back like inconclusive, like they botched the test. And the doctor goes, well, we're going to have to run the test again. I go, well, <laughs> how much is that? You know, because I'm, I'm paying for this. I'm like, are you going to run it? Are you going to run it for free? Like, because you guys made a mistake. It's like, no, no, we can't do that. The lab was, the lab's going to charge. I go, well, I'm not going to pay twice since you guys screwed up the test once. Like that's, how is that my fault? So I said, well, just take that test, assume the results came back normal, and we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> and and the look on her face was like, you can't, you can't do that. We have, we have to run the test. I go, I can't afford to pay twice, and you guys screwed it up. So let's just assume it's good and, and move on, you know. And so we did. Like, yeah, I I never figured out what the result of that test was, or you know, if if there was eventually going to be a problem, I think I would have uh, felt it by now uh, but the nonchalance on the doctor's part right they're like oh no just uh, you know we'll do the test again we'll bill you again and whoever pays will pay again because that's just you know because price doesn't matter to them um, but it mattered to me even at that time uh, that you know I and again like you said we'll have to wait and see on this uh, posting of prices because so what if they, they post the price and an x-ray is like you know 500 bucks you know, when when you're like, you know, when you've got some rib pain and you go to the doctor and he goes like, oh yeah, we're going to order you some x-rays. Are you really going to fucking pull out the app and go like, wait a minute, that's 500 bucks. Is there anything else cheaper we can do, doc? You know, I don't think anyone's going to do that. It's just, it's, it might be eye-opening uh, at best to see, to see how much, you know, how much they're charging the insurance. Uh, you know, there's even uh, articles that come up where, you know, the, the, the tests are forced by cops, right? And like, run this test on this guy. And the guy goes, I don't got no consent. And they go, run the test by order of the police. 
and the doctors run the test and bill the guy. Like, he didn't consent, man. Like, you know, you, you violated him, like, physically and, you know, and his rights and his liberty. And then try to bill him on top of that. That's nonsense. Po- post that price online, you can stick it up your ass, too. Anyway. <laughs> Anything else? Nope. All right. Where were we on time? You want to do headlines? Maybe we can get one of them in? Maybe two? Sure. Headlines! Endless war has been normalized and everyone is crazy. Uh, headline, the biggest lesson of eye pencil. Uh, headline, British food nannies want to slap that burger right out of your hands. Uh, headline, state forces non-PC Christian business to close. And finally, headline, mom arrested and jailed for letting seven-year-old watch his four-year-old brother at home alone. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh, I guess the first one. First one? All right. Endless war has been normalized, and everyone is crazy. Uh, I'm pretty sure this this came out, um, I think, the middle middle of last week. Or, yeah, yeah, just a few days ago. Um, basically because um, everyone got the news that, like, Trump pulled out of Syria. Like, oh, my God, we can't do that. We're at war, you know? <laughs> And yeah. Even the left, even the left went nuts. Like we can't end a war. Like that's ridiculous. How can yeah. Trump end a war? All right. So that was, I think, that was the the impetus for this article. Endless war has been normalized, and everyone is crazy. Since I last wrote about the bipartisan shrieking hysterical, yeah, see, this is a bipartisan shrieking hysterical reaction to Trump's planned military withdrawal from Syria, the other day, it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. I'm having a hard time even picking out individual bits of the collective freakout from the political media class to the point at, because doing so would diminish the frenetic white noise of the paranoid, conspiratorial, fear-mongering establishment reaction to the possibility of a few thousand troops being pulled back from a territory they were illegally occupying. Endless war and military expansionism has become so normalized in establishment thought that even a slight scale-down is treated as, as something abnormal and shocking. The talking heads of the corporate state media has been almost entirely ignoring the buildup of U.S. troops in Syria and the operations they've been carrying out there. But as soon as the possibility of those troops leaving emerged, all the alarm bells started ringing. Endless war was considered so normal that nobody ever talked about it, and then Trump tweeted he's bringing troops home, And now every armchair liberal in America who had no idea what occurred was until five minutes ago is suddenly an expert on Erdogan and the YPG. Uh, Lindsey Graham, who has never met an uncountable U.S. military occupation he didn't like, is now suddenly cheerleading for congressional oversight, not for sending troops into war, but for pulling them out. Uh, I would urge my colleagues in the Senate and the House, call people from the administration, explain this policy, Graham recently told reporters on Capitol Hill. This is the role of Congress, to make administrations explain their policy, uh, not in a tweet, but before Congress answering questions. It's imperative Congress hold hearings on withdrawal decisions in Syria and potentially Afghanistan to understand implications to our national security, uh, Graham tweeted today. Uh, In every In in an even marginally sane world, the fact that a nation's armed forces are engaged in daily military violence would cause for shock and alarm, and pulling those forces out of that situation would be viewed as a return to normalcy. Instead, we are seeing the exact opposite. 
In an even marginally sane world, congressional oversight would be required to send the U.S. military to invade countries and commit acts of war, because that act, not withdrawing them, is what's abnormal. And again, instead, we're seeing the exact opposite. A hypothetical space alien observ observing our civilians... Ah, start over. A hypothetical space alien observing our civilization for the first time would conclude that we are insane. And that hypothetical space alien would be absolutely correct. Have some Reese's Pieces, hypothetical space alien. It's absolutely batshit crazy that we feel normal about the most powerful military force in the history of civilization running around the world invading and occupying and bombing and killing, yet are made to feel weird about the possibility of any part of that ending. It is absolutely batshit crazy that endless war is normalized while the possibility of peace and respecting national sovereignty to any extent is aggressively abnormalized. In a sane world, the exact opposite would be true. But in our world, this self-evident fact has been obscured. In a sane world, anyone who tried to convince you that war is normal would be rejected and shunned. But in our world, those people make $6 million a year reading from a teleprompter on MSNBC. How did this happen to us? How did we get so crazy and confused? I sometimes hear the analogy of sleepwalking used. People are sleepwalking through life, so they believe the things the TV tells them to believe, and this turns them into a bunch of mindless zombies marching to the beat of a CIA, CNN narrative and consenting to unlimited military bloodbaths around the world. I don't think this is necessarily a useful way of thinking about our situation and our fellow citizens. I think a much more useful way of the looking at our plight is to retrace our steps and think about how everyone got to where they're at as individuals. We come into this world screaming and clueless, and it doesn't generally get much better from there. We look around and we see a bunch of grown-ups moving confidently around us, and they look sure like they know what's going on. So we listen really attentively to what they're telling us about our world and how it works, not realizing that they're just repeating the same thing grown-ups told them when they were little, and not realizing that if any of those grown-ups were actually honest with themselves, they're just moving learned concepts around inside a headspace that's just as clueless about life's big question as the day it was born. And that's just early childhood. Uh, once you move out of that and start learning about politics, philosophy, religion, etc., as you get bigger, you run into a whole bunch of clever faces who've figured out how to use your cluelessness about life to their advantage. You stumble towards adulthood without knowing what's going on, and then confident-sounding people show up and say, Oh, hey, I know what's going on. Follow me. And before you know it, you're donating 10% of your income to some church addicted to drugs in an abusive relationship, building your life around ideas from old books which were promoted by dead kings to the advantage of the powerful, or getting your information about the world from Fox News. For most people, life is like stumbling around in a dark room and you have no idea how you got into without even knowing what you're looking for. Then, as you're reaching around in the darkness, your hand is grasped by someone else's hand and it says in a confident-sounding voice, I know where we can go. Oh, I know where to go to. Come with me. The owner, of the other hand, doesn't know any more about the room than you do, really. They just know how to feign confidence. And it just so happens that most of those hands in the darkness are actually leading you in the services of the powerful. That's all the mainstream narratives are. Hands reaching out into the darkness of a confusing world, speaking in confident-sounding voices and guiding you in a direction which benefits the powerful. The largest voice belong to the rich and the powerful, which means those are the hands you're most likely to encounter when stumbling around in the darkness. You go to schools, which are designed to indoctrinate you into mainstream narratives. You consume media, which is designed to do the same. And most people find themselves led from hand to hand in this way, 
all the way to the grave. That's really all everyone's doing here, reaching out into the darkness of a confusing world and trying to find our way to the truth. It's messy as hell, and there are so many confident-sounding voices calling out to us, giving us false directions about where to go, and lots of people get lost to the grabbing hands of powerful, serving narratives. But the more of us who learn to see through the dominant narratives and discover the underlying truths, the more hands there are to guide others away from the interests of the powerful and toward a sane society. A society in which people abhor war and embrace peace, in which people collaborate with each other and their environment, in which people overcome the challenges facing our species and create a beautiful world together. Uh, people aren't sleepwalking, they're being duped. Duped into insanity in a confusing, abrasive world where it's hard enough just to get your legs underneath you and figure out which way's up, let alone come to a conscious, truth-based understanding of what's really going on in the world. But the people doing the duping are having a hard time holding on to everyone's hand, and their grip is slipping. We'll find our way out of this dark room yet. Uh, your thoughts, MC, on the insanity of a pulling out of a war that we shouldn't be in in the first place? Yeah, I, I just had uh, a, a different thought uh, while you are reading that. Um, first of all, well, that was a, quite a rant on, <laughs> on that article. <laughs> but, yes. um, uh, you know, a, a lot of people read that and be like, I'm offended. Uh, or they just stop because, you know, someone's... Sometimes the authors of Lou Rockwell have recently surprised me again with their, you know, non-biased, non-alt-righty perspective or Trump-loving. So good on sure. this one. Um, so my, my thought was, uh, obviously the left, there, there is no anti-war left, at least, uh, uh, in, in the public sphere, sphere. Um, but what I was surprised about was there's not that many pro Trump people cheering, cheering about the end of the wars. Um, yep. they use it. I've seen it used as, uh, something to bash the left, but not something like yeah trump is so awesome he's he's ending the war like the 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 pro, the pro trump people aren't really coming out at least publicly uh that much in favor of it so i'm kind of a little bit confused about that maybe maybe the the pro trump people are uh are actually more pro war than than trump is um i'd buy that yeah, they, they're I, mostly Republicans who've come from like a long line of war hawks, right? Um, and and so what I was also thinking was to get support from the Republican base. I think that's why he hired Mattis um, because he's the well, he's the most violent, uh, mad dog, most uh, willing to do what the party has has been doing. Uh, all along, um, and just you know, kind of taken to an extreme, which he's dropped more bombs than Obama now. Um, now, <clears throat> so I don't know if that was his, his tactic was like, okay, here have have controls of, of, of the the military, just do whatever you want, and and uh, just do it and win, and uh, and it, it didn't work, and so the next obvious. Uh, thing to do is to change policy right and <laughs> like just leave um so so i'm not i'm really i'm really not sure about it but it, it to me it would be a good political tactic to to hire mattis and then uh, when it doesn't work fire him um but 
I guess that's kind of what he was hired. You know, Trump was hired to do anyway is fire people. So um, <laughs> clean it out. Would this be considered cleaning out the swamp, as it were? It, well, and that's the thing. I don't know because, like, t- to me, well, if I, if I was uh, the president, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have played the politics the way he he's doing. You know, he's got his own <laughs> flavor of politics, and it's just you know, it's and it's. It has created a lot of violence, right? So I don't know if he really cares about that or not. Um, so, like, the things he's been doing is, I, I don't know if it's so far has just been to to get control. Um, say, like, hey, I'm on your side. You know, I, I want support of the military. Uh, and then once he gets the, you know, you know, most of the support, then he can start making changes. I don't know if that's what he had to do or, or if that's just, you know, I, I mean, I don't really know what's going on through it in his mind, but all I can say is I'm, I'm really happy uh, anytime a war has ended, but it's been, uh, it's been pretty bloody getting to that point. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish it would have happened uh, a lot sooner, uh, maybe day one, you know, and that's, that's really why I wanted Ron Paul to be president so bad was just because, uh, he would have that ability just to say, "Hey, troops, go over here instead of over there." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think part I uh, I will say part of me thinks that with Trump, um, I don't think he has any real um, strong feelings either way. It seems like a lot of what he does is just because he likes to negotiate, mm-hmm. right? From a, like a business perspective. Right. We need to bring China to the table. So let's create a trade war with China. So now they now now they come to the table to to negotiate back what they should have already had in the first place. Right. Uh, let's you know, let's get the troops out. So, you know, uh, they'll you know, other countries will come to the table and negotiate um, for how to best handle, you know, international violence or, you know, so, something to that effect. Uh, it's like he, he stirs up trouble just so he can be the mediator, I guess. Is, is one way that to consider it yeah so anyway I, I i think it's i think it's only interesting because the 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 war is you know seemingly or at least not ending but the u.s is getting out of it and yeah. i think that's fantastic um yeah well credit where credit is due they get them right occasionally and whether and whether or not you know the funding for the war uh, gets cut back proportionally is probably not going to happen. Um, but less lives lost, uh, on the U S side and on the, on the, more so on the Syrian side with, you know, uh, civilian victims and civilian casualties. Uh, I'll say props. Yeah. And, and we don't really know what's going to come, come about, uh, after, after the troop withdrawal. It's, we weren't even supposed to have troops there at all. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a it, weird thing they were denying that the U S was involved for the longest time. And then all of a sudden we had troops there and wow. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not that it it will get better or worse. You know, I, I think it will get better, um, without the U S there. Um, but you know, there, I mean, there still could be conflicts with Turkey and Iran and all the rest. All right. Final thoughts. Uh, no, all right. Wrapping up then. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. If you want to read the rest of the articles, 
Um, and I will say this, I'm not sure why, um, but the, the uh, PC, business, PC business closure article was flagged as spam. So I'm not sure if the hornnews.com um, is an illegitimate news source or if Facebook has an alternative motive. Um, but figure out how to make that link work if you want to read that article. Uh, otherwise, Twitter, twitter.com slash theanarchistexp, uh, minds.com slash theanarchistexperience. And if you'd like to, contrib- to contribute to the show through Patreon, because um, we are not boycotting like Jordan Peterson is, uh, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace.